0: Welcome. You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Hello. Thank you for joining us for the Friday, February 10th, 2023 reading of the Human Health Program. My name is Emily Crocker. On today's program, relationships, good or bad, help keep blood glucose on target. From Medscape. And how many times can you wear pajamas, jeans, and other clothes without washing them? From CNN. Plus, adding milk to your coffee may enhance its health benefits. From New Atlas. And more, time permitting. Now here's our first report. Relationships, good or bad, help keep blood glucose on target. By Marsha Frelick from Medscape. Living with a spouse or cohabitating with a partner may help middle-aged and older adults keep their blood glucose levels in check, new research suggests. And it doesn't even have to be an ideal union. Just having a relationship seems to provide benefit, whether partners described it as supportive or strained. Catherine J. Ford, Ph.D., with the Department of Psychology at Carleton University in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, led the study, which was published online in BMJ Open Diabetes Research and Care. The team used data for more than 3,335 people from 2004 to 2013 in the English Longitudinal Study of Aging, or ELSA a population-based sample of adults in England aged 50 to 89 years old, and their partners. A1C values were regularly collected in the ELSA cohort. Participants did not have previously diagnosed diabetes. They were asked over a decade about whether they had a wife, husband, or partner, and whether there had been a change in the partnership status. They were also asked standardized questions to determine the support or strain of the relationship, such as whether one partner felt the other understood his or her feelings or how much the spouse let the respondent down. Ford told Medscape Medical News there was an improvement, an average of .21% decrease in A1C when participants transitioned into a marriage or domestic partnership, and the same percentage increase in A1C when participants transitioned out of the relationship. To put the results into context, researchers say other studies suggest a decrease of 0.2% in the population average A1C value would decrease excess mortality by 25%. So the data may have messages for middle-aged and older adults and physicians, and even public health, said Ford. It may inspire extra monitoring and questions about relationships in the exam room if the patient is going through a marital transition, she said. Likewise, if older adults want to pursue romantic relationships and new partnerships, that should also be supported, she added. Potential reasons for benefit. So how might marriage status affect blood glucose? Ford said reasons cited in the literature include that when people are experiencing stress in their life, having the social support of someone could help reduce that stress. The comfort of sharing expenses, such as housing, food, and insurance, may also reduce stress, she said. One partner might be more interested in healthy eating, and that, sort of by osmosis, may influence the other partner in terms of their lifestyle choices as well, Ford added. Other health benefits of living with a partner, particularly in older age, have been well documented in other studies. And research has linked type 2 diabetes risk with lack of social support, loneliness, and isolation. But those factors are complex and less easily documented, so the researchers focused on A1C levels. They adjusted for potential confounders, such as whether the participants were retired or currently working, and whether they reported depression or had changes in body mass index over time. The authors note that their observational study couldn't establish that marriage status causes differences in blood glucose levels. It can't be ruled out, the authors acknowledge, that it could be the other way around, that worsening health from increased A1C levels may have made people more likely to get divorced, for instance. However, they write, this seems unlikely, given that symptoms of type 2 diabetes can be mild or absent for many years. We also ran a sensitivity analysis excluding all participants who went on to develop diabetes over the study period and found no significant deviation from our main results, they note. The researchers conclude, overall, our results suggested that marital, cohabitating relationships were inversely related to A1C levels, regardless of dimensions of spousal support or strain. Likewise, these relationships appear to have a protective effect against A1C levels above the pre-diabetes threshold. A strength of the study is that it used A1C instead of a measure that relies on self-reported data. A study limitation is that the ELSA database includes primarily white participants, so it is unclear whether the study conclusions are generalizable to other races or ethnic groups, Ford said. The data also did not include information on sexual orientation, she said. Up next, How Many Times Can You Wear Pajamas, Jeans, and Other Clothes Without Washing Them? Experts Weigh In, by Kristin Rogers from CNN. The number of times it's appropriate to wear clothing items without washing them often seems based more on folklore or a person's upbringing than professional advice. TikTok user Allison Delperdang started a heated online debate when she posted a video recently saying she wears the same pajamas multiple times. When I was younger, my parents always made us wear pajamas multiple nights in a row because they weren't dirty, and I still do that as an adult, she said. I need to know if, like, as adults, we're still doing that, or should I be literally making dirty clothes every single night, she posted. The answer for pajamas as well as other clothes technically depends on personal aspects such as sweat level and lifestyle, though for many people other more abstract factors may come into play, experts say. Our beliefs about clothing hygiene are largely societal and cultural, said Dr. Anthony Rossi, an assistant attending dermatologist at Memorial Sloan-Kettering Cancer Center in New York and a fellow of the American Academy of Dermatology. People tend to overwash and overhygiene themselves because, especially in America, we have a luxury of being able to do all of that stuff all the time, he said. Rewearing the same clothes, particularly on consecutive days, is linked to avoiding decision fatigue, hence wearing the same clothes involves less decisions to make and less stress every morning, said Manal Mohammed, senior lecturer of medical microbiology at the University of Westminster in London. Not knowing when to wash your clothes can have consequences on both ends of the spectrum. Washing them too seldom could lead to skin problems or infections, and washing them too often could harm your clothing. The latter can also result in unnecessary laundry and use of resources. Here are some guiding principles to help you determine when a garment can be worn again without washing and when it's time to toss it in the hamper. The Universal Rule – What You Must Wash There's no hard and fast rule for how many times you can wear clothing again, but experts say there are a few types that should be washed after every use. Underwear, socks, tights, leggings, and activewear. This advice also applies to any other clothes with stains, sweat, odor, or visible dirt, Mohammed said. These kinds of clothes are on a part of our body that just has a lot of natural bacteria that lives on our body, like our microbiome yeast, and bacteria," Rossi said. Then, from day-to-day activities, we sweat. That just breeds moisture and an environment where this bacteria can overgrow," he said. Bacteria overgrowth can lead to infections, fungus, and other skin issues," he added. In addition to bacteria from sweat, clothes worn in gyms or sports settings can come into contact with bacteria, such as Staphylococcus aureus, resulting in infections common in community and hospital settings. Those infections can become serious if they enter internal tissues or the bloodstream. Some people might let their workout clothes dry via air or a dryer, intending to make them safe to wear again the next day. But that approach makes the situation worse, Rossi said. Heat is going to make the bacteria grow. It's not hot enough to sterilize them, he said. It's really the washing with soap and water that you need, and with hot water especially, because it's going to help loosen that dirt and sebum and really get rid of bacteria, he said. When it comes to why you shouldn't wear socks again without washing first, fungal infections on the feet and toes are just rampant, said dermatologist Dr. Jeremy Fenton, medical director for Schweiger Dermatology Group in New York and a clinical instructor of dermatology at Mount Sinai Hospital. Inside of our shoes is the perfect environment for breeding fungus. It's warm, it's humid, it's dark, he said. Because of that, you should wash your shoes, or at least the insoles in a washing machine, at least once per month, Rossi said. Clothes you can rewear, For pajamas, outerwear, jeans, and other clothes, how many times you can wear them without washing is based on the same principles for undergarments or active wear. As far as your pants and your shirts, I think it's all a level of comfort and how much you're perspiring throughout the day, Rossi said. A lot of people wear undershirts. The undershirt would be something to wash, whereas your top shirt you don't really need to wash," he said. If you don't wear underwear, you need to wash your clothing before wearing it again, since it came into contact with your genital skin," Rossi said. If you usually shower before bed, wear underwear, and sweat little to none when wearing pajamas, you could wear them for a week without washing, experts said. But if you don't do these things, you'd need to wash them every time. Outerwear, such as coats or jackets, typically doesn't need to be washed more than once a month since it doesn't touch your skin, Rossi said. If you're wearing it every day, probably wash it every two weeks, he suggested. Whether and how often to wash jeans can be a hot topic, since many people want to maintain the integrity of the fabric, which is usually stiffer and more durable than others. If jeans aren't sweaty, dirty, or stained, they don't have to be washed often, Rossi said. I personally don't wash my jeans, he added. Mohammed recommended washing jeans monthly, but acknowledged it depends on your lifestyle and environment. If somebody were to tell me that they were wearing their jeans for months on end and not washing them, and they hadn't had any problems with their skin or problems with odor, I wouldn't see any problem at all, Fenton said. The most important questions you should ask yourself, experts say, when considering whether to wear something again without washing, are these. Does it smell? Do I have any skin conditions, such as eczema, a rash, or a skin lesion? Is it visibly dirty? Is it sweaty? Did I wear underwear with this? The main point is that the answer is going to be very variable, Fenton said. Up next, How Adding Some Milk To Your Coffee May Enhance Its Health Benefits by Rich Handy from New Atlas. New research has found adding a little milk to your morning coffee may enhance the drink's anti-inflammatory properties. Across several studies, food scientists have demonstrated how milk proteins can bind with antioxidants in coffee, amplifying any potential health benefits. The research focused on a family of organic compounds known as polyphenols. Found in lots of foods, polyphenols have antioxidant effects, reducing oxidative stress in a human body. However, surprisingly little is known about how polyphenols interact with other molecules found in food. In two new studies, researchers from the University of Copenhagen zoomed in on one specific polyphenol interaction, caffeic acid and chlorogenic acid, the two main polyphenols found in coffee, and cysteine, a key protein in milk. The first new study looked at the effects of these polyphenol-protein combinations on immune cells in lab conditions. The researchers then artificially inflamed those immune cells to see how effectively the polyphenol-protein combo prevented inflammation. The results were impressive, with the protein-spiked polyphenols turning out to be twice as effective at preventing inflammation in the immune cells compared to polyphenols alone. In the study, we showed that as a polyphenol reacts with an amino acid, its inhibitory effect on inflammation in immune cells is enhanced, said Marianne Nissen-Lund, lead researcher on the study. As such, it is clearly imaginable that this cocktail could also have a beneficial effect on inflammation in humans, she said. The next step in the research was to investigate whether this specific polyphenol protein bond takes place in a coffee drink with milk. Here, Lund and colleagues effectively showed commercial coffee beverages do generate these novel bound molecules. A result demonstrates that the reaction between polyphenols and proteins also happens in some of the coffee drinks with milk that we studied, said Lund. In fact, the reaction happens so quickly that it has been difficult to avoid in any of the foods that we've studied so far," she said. Lund also suggests it is likely these beneficial polyphenol-protein interactions occur in other food combinations, such as meats and vegetables, or fruit smoothies with milk. At this point, the researchers have only observed these anti-inflammatory effects in cell experiments. Animal studies are the next stage for the researchers and then potentially human investigations. According to Lund, there is also ongoing work looking at ways to enhance polyphenol activity in human bodies by engineering them with proteins. Because humans do not absorb that much polyphenol, many researchers are studying how to encapsulate polyphenols in protein structures which improve their absorption in the body, said Lund. This strategy has the added advantage of enhancing the anti-inflammatory effects of polyphenols, she said. Up next, here's what happens to your body when you drink seltzer, according to dietitians. What's loaded with bubbles and can be enjoyed any time of day? No, not champagne. Seltzer water. All of that effervescence is fun, but what exactly happens to your body when you drink it? By Sarah Haas, RDN from eatingwell.com. A trip to the grocery store used to include a restock of your favorite soda, but now you opt for seltzer or sparkling water instead. You've made the healthful choice to skip the sugar and caffeine and found a way to do it without having to sacrifice those bubbles you love. But do all of those bubbles do a body good? Let's find out what dietitians have to say. What is seltzer water? What exactly is seltzer water, and how is it made? Natural carbonated mineral and fizzy waters have been around since the time of ancient Greece. Because ancient Greeks believed this spring water held medicinal value, they not only drank it, but they bathed in it. Many years later, in the 18th century, a European scientist stumbled upon a way to create fizzy water without a natural spring. He discovered that he could infuse carbon dioxide gas, or CO2, into water, which created carbonic acid. This reaction gave the water its characteristic fizz. Flash forward to today, and seltzer water is still created using this same process. Plain versions of seltzer contain nothing else, but flavored varieties can contain citric acid or fruit juices, as well as some form of sugar or alternative sweetener. Now that we know what seltzer is, let's take a look at what happens to your body when you drink it. Four things that happen when you drink seltzer water. 1. You may end up more hydrated. Drink more water is the universal decree you'll hear from health professionals, as many of us don't consume enough fluids to stay properly hydrated. But there's only so much tap water we can drink before the monotony becomes too much. That's where seltzer water can help. For people who don't like still water and are self-proclaimed soda addicts, seltzer can help people meet their fluid intake needs, says Laura Manicker, MS, RDN, LD, a Charleston-based registered dietitian. She says that seltzer can be a great way to fulfill that desire for carbonation without the added sugar. And that satisfying cold fizz makes water consumption fun, resulting in a winning situation when it comes to hydration. 2. It may harm tooth enamel. We don't spend much time thinking about the pH of our mouth, but if we did, we'd be in awe of the fact that it works constantly to keep a neutral pH of 7 most of the time. That neutral pH helps protect our teeth, specifically the enamel. When foods and liquids are introduced, our saliva responds, working to neutralize anything acidic in an attempt to keep that neutral pH. Anything less than a pH of 4 can start to erode tooth enamel. Many seltzers, thanks to the formation of carbonic acid, have a lower pH level than still water, usually between 3 and 5. The addition of citric acid in flavored seltzer contributes to this lower pH as well. Because of this, Manica recommends that anyone experiencing dental erosion may need to limit their seltzer intake to help preserve their dental health, or consider enjoying your bubbly water with food to help elicit the salivary response, which helps neutralize the acid. Finally, Vicky Shanta Shantaratelny, RDN, host of the Nourishing Notes podcast, suggests enjoying your seltzer through a straw. It's a simple way to help bypass your teeth altogether. Number three, you may feel, well, full. Drinking all of that bubble-filled water can make you feel full. For healthy individuals, this can be a valuable tool for weight management, helping to curb hunger. However, Vandana Sheth, RDN, CDCES, a Los Angeles-based dietitian and author of My Indian Table, says that for people with gastrointestinal diseases, such as IBS, seltzer water may cause bloating and gas, so it's best to avoid. And if you have issues with acid reflux or gastroesophageal reflux disease, you may want to limit your intake of seltzer water as the carbonation may exacerbate symptoms. Number 4. It may help with digestion. Water is a key player in digestion. If you don't consume enough, things start to slow down and you can end up feeling uncomfortable with constipation. Sparkling water doesn't hold the magic key to cure constipation, but it can be a more enjoyable way for some people to ensure they're getting enough water to keep things moving. Bottom line. Dietitians agree that seltzer water can be a helpful tool when it comes to hydration. It's also a great alternative to high-calorie, sugar-loaded beverages. Enjoy seltzer water, but keep balance in mind, says Shanta Ratelny, and drink a combination of still and sparkling water throughout the day. One, enjoy, but don't overdo it. While there are no specific recommendations on how much seltzer water is advisable to drink each day, listen to your body and use that as your guide. If you have GI issues or dental health concerns, limit your intake and consult your dietitian, doctor and dentist for their advice. If you're otherwise healthy, enjoy your favorite sparkling drink, but not at the total expense of still water. 2. Avoid seltzers with added sugar. Once you add the sugar, it becomes similar to any other sweetened beverage. Stick with plain varieties and choose those flavored without sugar. 3. Be an informed buyer. That $5 can that promotes focus or calm may or may not do either. Companies are now adding ingredients such as herbs, vitamins, and adaptogens to their waters. Our advice is to read the labels before buying and talk with your healthcare team before consuming, especially if you're on medication or have any health conditions. How to Creatively Enjoy Seltzer Drinking seltzer water straight from the can is always delicious, but there are other ways to enjoy it. Seltzer water can be used as a fun, fizzy finisher for zero-proof and regular cocktails. It can also be used in place of club soda in any of your favorite drink recipes. Try adding a splash to 100% fruit juice along with sliced fresh fruit, or add it to your next smoothie for a light, airy treat. And you can swap the liquid in the batter of waffles and pancakes for seltzer water, which results in fluffy pancakes and crispy waffles. And finally, a bar of chocolate a day might just keep the fat away. A recent study of postmenopausal women found that eating a bar of chocolate in the morning may have a surprising effect as a fat burner. Study participants either consumed 3.5 ounces of chocolate in the morning, within one hour of waking up, or at night, within one hour of bedtime, and while neither gained weight, morning milk chocolate was linked with lower blood sugar levels, greater fat burning, and craving reduction. And that is from Parade.com. Thank you for joining us for the Human Health Program. My name is Emily Crocker.